Okay, praise God. Get your Bibles out. And I want you to go to Ecclesiastes. If you can't find Ecclesiastes, go to Proverbs, and it's the next chapter headed towards the New Testament, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. If you don't know where Proverbs are, go look at the front of your Bible. I have a message today that I don't think you'll forget. Title of the message is Dead Flies. Dead Flies. Everybody say Dead Flies. All right, you're going to remember this one. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1. says, Dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give off a foul odor. So does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. You know, there's nothing nastier than a fly. And if you've ever been in a place like in a restaurant and you're getting ready to eat and a fly lands on your food, see, that's what I tell you, you're not going to forget this message. There ain't nothing worse. The only thing that compares to it that I, I'm going to give it a close, I mean, it's like a close running with a fly is a, is a hair. See, I'm going to kill y'all's appetite right now. Ain't nobody going to be thinking about where you're going to go eat. And then, then later you can recover when we take communion. And, uh, you know, get, get to thinking about lunch. I remember when I was in high school, this is a true story. We were going out, and, and, and the, when we went out on to away games to play football, we would always get to go to a restaurant before. And I remember got a chicken fried steak. You know, the coach, he ordered everybody, everybody. Everybody got the same thing. You couldn't order anything else. And I got a chicken fried steak. And I cut my chicken fried steak, and then when I pulled it apart, you know, I cut my piece off, and then when I pulled it, there was something strung out of the chicken fried steak. And, of course, we're all in high school, you know, and so you can imagine we're a little rowdy, and as I pulled it out, I realized it was a hair that was cooked in my chicken fried steak. To this day, I mean, like, I love a chicken fried steak, but to this day as I cut it, I remember that. I remember that moment, you know of that big old hair pulling out of my chicken fried steak. Well, I have some interesting facts for you about flies. Okay? Flies don't have teeth. So you can be assured that when the fly lights on your, you know, your hamburger, he ain't eating anything. He ain't chomping down. He got no teeth. Okay? But what flies do have, and I'm try I'll clean it up a little here, Flies regurgitate an enzyme on your food so that it begins to break it down so that they can then suck it up. Now, I checked. It takes them a little bit of time. So if you get it swatted off pretty quick, it probably didn't do it. But the problem with flies are, I'm talking a common household fly, all right? is that the fly, it's not, it's not that, that like a mosquito that's carrying malaria or diphtheria or something that bites you and injects it in you. It's not like that. But it's where the fly's been. Because a fly has a lot of bacteria on it from wherever it has been on a dead animal or cow patty. Right? So he went from the cow patty and then lit on your sandwich. 
But one interesting fact. They say that a fly, here you go, that lights on your hamburger, <clears throat> your hot dog, it's 4th of July, hot dog, we'll change it to hot dogs. <clears throat> the fly that lights on your hot dog carries such a minuscule amount of bacteria. We're talking one fly. That, again, if you got him off there pretty quick, the odds of him actually making you sick is very, very minimal. But listen to this. <clears throat> the problem comes in food preparation areas where multiple flies light in a specific area and then it's not cleaned properly and bacteria builds up and that's what can make you sick. Are y'all with me? So I'm giving you a little of a break. Don't anyone want anybody to freak out at the cafe? You go to the cafe, fly out your hamburger, you scream, throw it out the window or something like that, okay? Just get him off there pretty quick and you'll be okay. Because it happens. All right? Now I want you to look at another scripture. 2 Kings chapter 1. 2 Kings chapter 1. Y'all aren't going to forget this one. Dead flies. 2 Kings chapter 1 verse 2. Now, Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent messengers and said, Go and inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. Okay, Baal, you got to understand something. You read the Old Testament. Baal, B-A-A-L, was always just the definition of like the statue or the god, the, you know, the idol. And then the second part of the name, Zebub, or whatever it was, because you find there's Baal this, Baal that, reading through all that. And so that was their, they're saying Lord of the, okay, so this Philistine deity, Beelzebub, is a fly. He was Lord of the flies. Okay? Now, they had Dagon, which was a half fish, half man. But this dude, they worshiped a fly. Now, I'm not real sure, but if I fell through the lattice work, broke my leg, I wouldn't be talking to the flies because flies usually come when something's dead. I'd want to find something that had life in it, not something that had death in it. Right? Not something that was going to come and just regurgitate on me. All right? So in the New Testament, you can go and find it in all the Gospels. When the Pharisees, when Jesus was doing miracles, they accused Jesus of operating on the power of Beelzebub. They followed this through, this thought through, the Lord of the flies, Beelzebub. It literally also can mean the God of dung hills. That doesn't sound very flattering to me. But anyway, they accused Jesus of operating by the power of Beelzebub because they believed Beelzebub also to be a demonic deity that was the like Michael the archangel. They had this in their Pharisee teachings, okay? And that's what they accused Jesus of, of operating under the power of Beelzebub, all right? Now, as, as a pastor... 
You know, I, I just we just got through having Wynn, uh, Pastor Wynn here, you know, and Brother Ivan comes in all the time. And, you know, they're not, Wynn was a pastor. He pastored for a long, lot of years. Ivan was a pastor, but now they have a traveling ministry. They get to blow in, blow up, and blow out. And I don't get that privilege other than the privilege of trying to teach y'all and to help you and to bless you and to speak to you. And that's my heart. I want to educate you. I want to, I want to be able to, I, I want to, I, I'm not saying I'm treating you like children, but I, I treat you like my children. I want to educate you. Say, don't touch that. Don't do that. Holy cow, stop doing that. Don't open that door. Right? Because I don't want to see you get hurt. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I want to see us all grow in Jesus and go on. Amen? And so I've got to look into what is going on in the world. And I want to, I'm asking God all the time to give me some foresight so I can help you all to say, yeah, let's don't go down this path. Look, it's, it's better over here. It's not as rocky. That's what I'm trying to do. So as I'm looking at what's going on in the world today and how divided America is, and how everything is so, so, so volatile. The Lord gave me this. And the first thing he said to me is he said, the devil's dropping dead flies in people's hearts. And I knew the scripture in Ecclesiastes, but I happened to be reading it. And he said that to me that morning. I woke up and he said, the devil's dropping dead flies in people's hearts. And then I got up that morning and I Turn my Bible to just read my daily reading, and I just happened to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Boom, there it was, dead flies in the ointment. And I said, Lord, I thank you. You're telling me something here. So I stayed all week on this, and I just kept going and going over and going over and going over and going over, you know? It's not too much fun when you research flies. There's not a lot of joy in all of that, but I did learn about flies. And so, so he said this to me, so then I'm, I'm telling you as a warning, I see What's coming in the future? First, we've been since 2019, there's been released upon America a spirit of fear. Actually, the whole world, but I'm just using America today. A spirit of fear, all right? COVID-19 sent everybody into panic, into fear. It, it, it was very broad in its, in its, you know, some of it was specific about being, getting sick and dying. And other parts of it were about, you know, your, your, the economy, your jobs, your, you know, businesses, some good came out of it in the sense that, that you know, people did turn to, more to God and look, and then, then, then a whole new deal, everybody learned what Zoom was. And then, you know, some people could actually work from home, and it, then it became, became a blessing like that, whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay, but my point is there was a spirit of fear, and it's still there. The spirit of fear is still there. People are worried about the future. What's going to happen? What's going to happen in the next election? What's going to happen here? What's going to there? And I'm just going to tell you all something, folks. Listen to me. You cannot live in a spirit of fear. I've been preaching that for years and years and years. You cannot be living in a spirit of fear. Fear will kill you. All right? You got to live in faith. We got to believe that Jesus is still in the miracle working business and that he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. He's going to work things out. All right? All right. Well, the next thing that's coming up is a spirit of religion. And we're already seeing this in, in, in certain areas. And I want to, in today's message, I'm going to be explaining to you about a spirit of religion. Because I saw, I saw a, a video of a pastor standing at a very large church, and he was telling the people how they needed to understand that the Bible was written by man, and so therefore it could be 
wrong and that the people needed to stop believing that the Bible was the word of God inspired by God. He's telling his church that. Y'all believe that's wrong, right? Okay, so make sure. Okay. So then you start to see a spirit of religion, what it does is a spirit of religion wants to take partial truth, Jesus' love, then twist it in such a way and regurgitate it in such a way that it is really just manipulating to get what they want. Do you realize, you see, everybody talks about, you know, I mean, not everybody, but there, there are organizations that are mad at Jews, and they say Jews killed Jesus. Well, Jews didn't kill Jesus. The devil killed Jesus, but he did it with the spirit of religion. He may have used those people, but it was immaterial, okay? Just like a fly wants to come on something and spoil it, so the devil, through a spirit of religion, wants to come on something and spoil it. All right? Now, John 16, 13, I want to show you something. You've got to understand something if you're going to understand a spirit of religion. In John 16, 13, it says, However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears... He will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it unto you. you got to understand something. God wants us to walk in truth. God never, ever wants us to, 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 to be in deception or delusion. Every morning when you wake up, you've got to understand that from the throne of heaven, God wants you that day to be walking in truth. He wants you to be aware of truth, what's right and what's wrong. Hello? Now, that's pretty awesome if you think about the God of heaven and earth wants to make sure you know what truth is. So if you're sitting there saying, Lord, I don't understand what's happening, he wants you to understand. And he wants you to know the truth. And so you got to understand something. Things are taking place in the world right now. Now you got to understand this. Oh my goodness, it's so complicated. Because man wants to get this all complicated, and the devil is just working overtime. I believe, the, I believe the Beelzebub is working with the spirit of religion at all times. So there's some preachers out there, and they're preaching wrong. But they're preachers. So you think on the outside service, preacher, it should be right. Church, it should be right. Bible, it should be right. Are y'all with me? But, but behind the scenes, these dead flies are dropping in the ointment. And the devil's dropping these dead flies and he's getting people to look off and to look in other directions and to look at other things that aren't right. And people are saying, because people don't read their Bibles. People don't know the truth. People aren't praying. People aren't turning to God. People aren't saying, Lord, every day give me wisdom. They're not doing this. So therefore, they just get the smell of dead flies. Now, when dead flies, what I tell you at first, when it's, it's not so bad if it's one dead fly. 
But when you get a whole bunch of dead flies, or a bunch of live flies, that have bacteria all over them in a place, that's when you get sick. So if you don't watch it, you could be doing the right thing. A dead fly drops in you, and then you start to hang around other people who have dead flies in them, and then the next thing you know, y'all are all sick with the spirit of religion, looking wrong. One of the scriptures that I have that I, I plead with the Lord all the time that I don't want to walk in, is that there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. Man, I don't want that one to be operated in my life. I'm always saying, God, don't let me go down that road. I don't want to think I'm right and go down a road, but I find out at the end of it, it was destruction. So I'm always believing and praying for God's truth to be in my life so I'll see the truth and won't get into error. Now, here's, here's a few things to help you. Proverbs 1.20. Proverbs 1.20 says, Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open square. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the opening of the gates of the city, she speaks her word. So you have to understand something. God wants you to know the truth, and wisdom is crying out if you'll just look for it. Do not take everything at face value. You shouldn't take everything I preach at face value. You need to go check my scriptures. I mean, the last thing I want to do is lead anybody astray. I don't want to face Jesus, and, and I, I mean, y'all can, I ain't worried about y'all. I'm worried about having to give an account when I get to heaven. That's what keeps the, you know, the pressure on me, because I know I have to someday stand before Jesus and say, I did the best I could, Lord. No, that ain't going to cut it. And I know I make mistakes, and I plead for grace, but you have to understand something. Wisdom is crying out for us. And wisdom is there for us if we want to listen. Okay, let me give you another one about wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom's the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. You've got to understand something. We need to be praying. I'm telling you right now, you need to be praying. We need to be praying for wisdom at all times. Okay? Because we need wisdom. Because I'm telling you, this Obelzebub, he's smart. He's smart. How many of you ever tried to catch a fly? I always think I caught it. My cat-like reflexes are waning. But Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Okay? James 1, 5, God didn't make it complicated. James 1, 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. So the only, way, only thing that you have to do to get wisdom in your life is ask. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's no reason for any of us to be deceived by dead flies. To operate in a spirit of religion. There's no reason for any of us to. We want to be Christians. Now let me show you something. I'm going to keep going here. There's two kinds of wisdom. Go to James chapter 3 verse 13. Let me show you how deceptive this is. James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, Demonic, for where envy 
and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Now, think about that. Look what it's saying. There's two kinds of wisdom. There's wisdom that comes from God. And then they're calling it wisdom, but wisdom that comes from the devil. So you need to be specific in what wisdom you're asking for. Y'all are all looking at me like I ain't got good sense. You think about this. If you want to be bad, you want to get back at somebody. You want to hurt somebody. You want to be ugly. You want to, you know, ruin someone's reputation. There's wisdom for that. Well, I'll just tell so-and-so. I'll get them. I'll just slip around over here and whisper in their ear and tell them, and then they're going to give them. See, there's wisdom for that. You want to get back at your husband? No, I'd never do that. No. Y'all are real quiet. Come on, I just need a few agreements here. Just y'all, I'll move on if y'all smile at me and say, amen, brother, that's right. I know that. I'll move on, but if you don't say anything, I'm just going to stay on labor, labor on this point. You have to understand that there is demonic wisdom, earthly wisdom, fleshly wisdom that will come to you. You can get better at being bad. You can get better at being angry. You can get better at being uh, uh, evil. You can get better at, at being lustful. You, can, you see what I'm saying? There's a wisdom that comes, and if you stay in that, you're only going to get worse. But he says this about godly wisdom. But the wisdom that is a, from above, it's first pure, then it's peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruit, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So there's a wisdom that can make you better. That's probably not the right word. And there's a wisdom that can make you gooder. And so what the devil wants to do is every time you're operating in godly wisdom, he wants to drop dead flies. He wants flies. Beelzebub, the God of Dung Hill, wants to fly, fly in there and regurgitate on your sandwich. He wants to regurgitate on your joy. He wants to regurgitate on your love. He wants to regurgitate on whatever it is because the enzyme that comes out of a fly begins to break down and deteriorate everything that whatever it's on, whether it's meat or a bun or whatever, so that it can suck it up. And what the devil's trying to do is he's trying to put dead flies in your life or have flies in your life and drop these flies in there that are keep getting you because he wants you to get into a spirit of religion. So let me just give you an example. Jesus goes to church one day, sees a man sick, he heals him. The people are driving out, that couldn't, he couldn't be of God because he healed the man on the Sabbath. He's not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Uh, what about the man? No, you got to not work on the Sabbath. And, that, and praying for somebody... Healing somebody, first of all, just think of that. Healing somebody is work. No, you're not supposed to work. What did you have to do with it? How come a person could get up and read the scriptures? That wasn't work. But I'll tell you why. Because the Pharisees didn't like Jesus because they saw him as a threat to their ministry or their livelihood or their grandeur. And they weren't wanting to challenge Jesus like with a sword 
So they used the spirit of religion to try to say, oh, well, you're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. See, they took something, don't work on the Sabbath, a religious something or a, a, a scripture, and then they tried to twist it for their own benefit so that then they could stop what Jesus was doing. You see that? It's a spirit of religion. A spirit of religion always wants to take the godliness of something and twist it enough, but it's always for the other person's benefit. You know, Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. <sighs> Do you hear what that said? Ah, oh, it's a grievous scripture. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have, not, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name. Done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, come on, folks, listen to me. These people were out doing, they were having a tent meeting. They were out doing miracles and prophesying, preaching, telling people, you know, what's going on? Folks, listen to me. If you just go through the internet right now and you just type in, man, you can find every crazy, whacked out, whatever you want to find out there on the internet. I, 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 I caution you. Don't listen to some of that stuff. Some of that stuff, I mean, <clears throat> man, there's some wild stuff out there. Wild, crazy stuff. I'm, I'm just telling you, you be cautious. You be cautious of who you're lifting, listening to, prophesying about what the future is going to take place. I can tell you what the future is going to happen by what the Bible says, but you be watching about people putting dates and times on stuff. You watch out for what they're saying, the next thing is going to happen, or this is going to happen, or God's going to do this, or go to that. Man, nobody knows those things. Keep your, keep your face straight into the wind and just keep wanting to be like more like Jesus and love and walk in godly wisdom and purity and just keep telling people how good Jesus is and praying for people and going forth, man, you're going to stay straight. But if you get off over here in this fight or this skirmish or what's going on, be careful because there's a spirit of religion behind it. Religious spirits always want to use God's word for their own gain. So now I want you to show you something. Look at Matthew chapter 23. For time's sake, I, I, I mean, I'd be here all day and, or two if I went through there. But if you go look at this and you go read through there, the way I cut it up, there's 14 indictments or characteristics Jesus says about religious devils through Matthew 23. You can find some more depending on how you cut it up and look at it, but I just had 14. So... I think the easiest, let me just read, let me just, we, we may go back and go over this more, but I got to move on because I want to get to the end of this. In verse 3, you see, you see that religious spirits, they say and do not. They always want you to do it, but they're not going to do it. Do y'all notice how many people in, in, in our government today in the great country of America that's pointing fingers at somebody saying, he's done wrong. Oh, but don't look in my closet. 
They bind heavy burdens on others, but they're not willing to lift them themselves. We want you all to adhere to this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and y'all have to pay more taxes, and this, and this, and this, and this, but they're not willing to do it. Verse 5 says, they want to be seen by men. Everybody wants the preeminence. The spirit of religion always wants the preeminence. It wants to seem like they're smarter than everybody else is, when really they're stupider. I don't think that's a word either, but I like it. Verse 6 says they love the best places. They always want all the fine things in the best places. This is what Jesus called out the Pharisees and the Sadducees on and said these are characteristics of religious spirits. Verse 7 says they love to be called by man. In other words, they want the name, the titles. Oh, they always want that. Verse 13, they want to shut up the kingdom of heaven so nobody else enters. They don't want you to get free and liberated and trust in Jesus. They really don't want God to bless America. They want to, you to have to be dependent upon them to bless you. And we want God to bless America. Verse 13, I just said that, didn't I? Shut up the heaven. Verse 14, they love to devour the helpless. I don't want to argue with you. You're just going to go look it up. If you go look up, up, up at everything that we have done to help the helpless, in America, we've only made more helpless. Verse 15, they make sons of hell because, you see, they put all this on people, and then what happens is those people can't deal with it, and so they explode. They're blind guides. Verse 16 says they're blind guides. (laughs) I can't go there. Verse 23 says they neglect the real matters. Verse 25 says they clean the outside. Ooh, but inside the cup's dirty. Verse 27 says they're full of dead men's bones. They make crypts and everything looks good, but they're just dead men's bones in there. Verse 29 says they love to build tombs. And then verse 34 says they love to kill God's men. So once you begin to understand that these demonic forces are working and that they're listening to the words coming out of your mouth, hear what I'm saying? Flies are attracted to dead things. When you're speaking dead things out of your mouth, flies are attracted. And if you don't watch it, you're going to be around people in your own life that are just attracting more flies. We've got to walk in truth. Amen? So now I'm going to give you, because I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to tell you this, and y'all just all walk out saying, I hope a fly don't get on my food. <laughs> I want to give you something that you can say, okay, now I'm not going to let Beelzebub throw dead flies in my ointment. Because we're supposed to be the sweet fragrance of Christ everywhere we go. But what good are we if we're just grumpy? What good are we if we're in judgment of other Christians? What good are we if we're, if everywhere our aroma smells like there's a little, it went, you went rancid. I always had to laugh because I always had to check if we're praying for somebody and I use an oil, always had to check because, you know, I don't want to put rancid oil on your head. I always smell of it. Make sure it's not. All right? You can go rancid because you got dead flies in your ointment. 
And see, what's happening to people, it's like the spirit of fear before, but now I see what's happening to people. This religious spirit's throwing dead flies in there, and it's, it's messing up their ointment, and their oil's going rancid, and they don't realize it. And so then they're talking with other people, and then they're getting more, and then that's getting more out there, and then it's just the devil's having a field day. And everybody's trying to figure out, well, what is, how do we do this? How do we handle this? Here's how you do. Four easy steps. Number one, love is the rule. Religious devils don't care about love. True love. Love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. It's not condemnation or guilt. It's love. God is love. You say, well... Well, Pastor, sometimes I, you know, like I try to walk in love and I try to do that, but I don't really understand because if, I, if I'm supposed to love and do this, so then they're just going to take advantage of me. They're gonna, no, wait, just let me get to the next step. Number two, it's positive, not negative. Okay, just think of this. <clears throat> if you're going to have to tell little Johnny to not stick his finger in the light socket, is it love? By swatting little Johnny's hand and telling him no? Or is it love that you don't want to hurt little Johnny's feelings, and so therefore you're going to let him stick his finger in the light socket? Which one's love? The first one, right? It's better to teach little Johnny, don't put your finger there, because you know he could burn the end of his finger off or kill him, right? So... I'm for people wanting to have victory. I'm, I'm for, I want to see people liberated. I'm wanting to see people see people free. So love means you stop and say, no, wait a minute. You got to look at the positive of this. You need to not do that so you can go on with Jesus and be free. If you stay going down this road, you're going to end up in bondage and you're going to end up in sorrow and you're going to end up in pain and you can't go down that road. Jesus has got a better way. That's love. Not saying, oh, okay, you want to do that? Okay, well, fine. We'll support you. It's got to be positive. You know, I was just told a story, so I know this is true. Y'all going to get mad about this. Y'all going to get stirred up, and you're just going to, I'm probably going to lose you, but we've got communion here so you can repent from the time that you make you mad out there. But Pastor Wynn told me a story of, that it's a true story of a, of a, a single mom that they know there in Wales, single mom that, trying to raise her child, but they kept talking to her that she was being too lenient and letting him get away and kind of be a little horsey, and she wasn't really doing anything to, to uh, um, really bring him in order, and, and uh, she was divorced, and her husband was a drug addict, and uh, one day the, the, the boy was six, right? He was six, and the boy just acted out and spoke harshly to his mother and said some ugly things. I think he cursed her. And said he wasn't going to do this or whatever. And she swatted him on the leg and said, now, you're not going to act like that. And it was the first time she really ever uh, disciplined him. And so the little boy went to the school and then told the teacher that her mother had spanked him. And they called the equivalent to, like, their CPS over there. And they took the child from the mother. It's been two years and she's not had her child because they said that you could not spank your child, couldn't discipline him. And they gave the child to the drug addict father. All because she made one swat to try to bring the child in order. That's how crazy it can get, folks. We're not that crazy yet, but I'm telling you that there's people who would want us to go there. 
So which is better for little Johnny? I don't know his name was Johnny, but which is better for little Johnny? To go and live now because he did not want to do what his mother said, that she was loving him and trying to bring correction in his life and go live with a drug addict father that's going to end up, gosh, who knows what's going to happen to his life. Love is discipline a child, teaching the ways of the Lord. Amen? So you got to look at the positive, not negative, right? The third thing is, if you, if you, if you really truly want to be free from religious spirits, ask yourself this question, what is your motivation? You know, like this, are you telling somebody that they're wrong just so that you can look better? Are you telling somebody, pointing out faults of others? See, that's what religious devils do. Check yourself on your motivation. Okay? Love's the rule. It's positive, not negative. What's your motivation? Because you've got to understand something. Dead flies are getting dropped all the time. None of us are immune. You ever thought about that the, in the scriptures when Jesus preached in church, there was always demonic manifestations? Has it changed now we don't have devils come to church? Well, I'm telling you, you do have devils come to church. And that, that wisdom, that wisdom that comes from hell will speak to you if you give it place. If you shoo the dead fly away or smack him and kill him, you're not going to be listening to it. Love's the rule. It's positive, not negative. What's your motivation? And the fourth one is simply this. What's the end result? What's the end result? So in other words, you have to think past the moment into the, the bigger picture. You say, well, I don't, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know how to do that. Well, let me just put it to you like this. Where do you want to go? You want to end up in heaven? And if you end up in heaven, do you, do you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life and be Lord over it all? And, and, and do you want to be able to, to, to get to heaven and when, when you know, the, the big screen plays your life out, do you want it to be positive? That you, you did something with your life? That you helped other people? That you, you blessed people? You, you were good? You were generous? You, 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 you loved your grandchildren? Loved your children? Did whatever you could? You see what I'm saying? <clears throat> the big picture, looking down the road for the big picture, what's the end result? I don't care that I corrected some crazy person. I don't, need, I don't need to have like a, that is one for me. I want to preach the gospel and I want everybody to hear and believe, but my job is to preach it and put it out there, and it's their job to believe it. I don't need to get in a fight and an argument with somebody by trying to get them to believe it. I just got to preach it. If they want to walk around with dead flies in their ointment, then, you know, just get away from me, you stink. Hello? I want to preach. I want to tell people the good news. Jesus will set you free. Jesus has got a way that will just set us free that we can listen to his godly wisdom. And then if you had asked for godly wisdom, he will give you that moment and that godly wisdom. I do not, cannot tell you how many times in my life I have been at the point of listening to demonic wisdom. I was going to tell them. I was going to let them have it. I was going to speak my peace. And for the grace of God, at the last moment, the Holy Ghost said, shut up. And I heard. 
And that's like, listen to me. One time, this is, this is the truth, and I know if he listened to this, he wouldn't care. One time we took a bunch of youth. I was a youth pastor in those days, and we took a bunch of youth to, to a camp. And there was the most irritating teenager that I had ever been around in my entire life on this group. I had prayed that he wouldn't go. He, I knew he was irritating in the onslaught. And so we get there, and he is, he is harassing the girls. He's causing problems. And I got to the point that I wanted to punch him in the face. Now, I'm the youth pastor, and this is a youth. This is not good. This is not good to have these feelings when you're wanting somebody to be blessed. But I wanted to just make him stop, and I wanted to hit him. And so I listened to demonic wisdom, and I got him, and I grabbed him by his shirt, and I drug him around behind the building. And I threw him up against the wall. And as I got him right up against the wall, and I just started saying to him, you know, what is wrong with you? Why are you acting like this? You are acting like this because, and I started prophesying to that kid. And I said, this has happened to you in life, and this has happened to you in life, and this is why you're acting like this, and Jesus can set you free if you want to be set free. But all you got to do is call out upon him. I'm preaching, but I'm wanting to just cuss him. And I set him down, and he began to weep. And he said, you're right. Pray with me. And I prayed for that kid right there instead of punching him. And then they, we came back, and then their family moved off. And I didn't hear from them for years and years and years and years. And then one day he came walking through the doors of the church over there. And he had become a career DPS officer. Went to college, graduated, got into the academy, became a, 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 a DPS officer. And he told me right over there, he said, that day, when you did that to me, he said, set me free. And I changed my whole scope of life, and I went off and did that. I mean, it chokes me up today to realize how close I was to just beating him. But God. And all I'm telling you, church, is don't listen to Beelzebub. Don't let get caught up in the spirit of religion. Don't let the devil drop dead flies in your ointment. Stay the sweet smell of Jesus that is a fragrance that goes out into the world that can set people free. Folks, we're about getting people free. Amen? Not getting out in arguments and standing and trying to hold our ground. Jesus will take care of us. He will defend us. He will do what's right. Amen? Amen. Well, put your Bibles up. I've got more on this, but we'll just have to uh, deal with it later. Amen. Amen. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to have communion right now. Uh, everybody that's out there watching broadcast, you have you know, some communion elements. Uh, uh, get them ready. Here at Living Waters Church, you have an open communion service. If you've never taken communion with us, listen, you're welcome to, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you don't, we don't do letters around here. Some of us not, might not make an A. <clears throat> we don't do letters. If you're a member of the body of Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're welcome to come and have communion with us. But I know one thing in my life. 
that I can tell you is I took communion as a child for years in a denominational church, and it was a ritual. That's all it was. But I don't want that for us here. I, I believe with all of my heart that right up here at this altar, that miracles take place. There's forgiveness because God wants to commune with you. There is forgiveness of your sins. There is the healing of your bodies that can take place right here if you put faith in it. If you're in here today and you're not a believer in Jesus, you, you, maybe you've been listening to demonic wisdom and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're out there watching. The Bible's real simple. It says all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and ask Jesus to come into your life, and he will. He will touch you right there where you are. For those of you watching in the broadcast or listening, right there, just call out on Jesus and say, Jesus, come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood. Make me right with you, and he'll touch you right there. For those of you in here, we're going to have prayer people up here in just a minute. And I encourage you, if, you, if you're, you know, maybe, maybe this message touched you today and <clears throat> you realize you've been listening to demonic wisdom. It's a good time to pray. Just join hands with them and pray. Whatever you need, we're here for you. Amen? So y'all get your hearts ready. Can I have my, my, my uh, prayer team, pastoral team, come up here and help me? Those of you that are going to help me serve. The Bible says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and he break, broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, now take and eat for this is my body which is broken for you. So Lord, we thank you for this bread. What it represents, Jesus, that you took the stripes upon your back so that we could be healed. We could be whole. Whether it's physically, mentally, soulishly, Lord, we could be whole, not broken people in life, but whole people in life. Because, Jesus, you did this for us. So, Lord, we thank you for this bread. And then afterwards it says he took the cup. And he said, this cup is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink it in remembrance of me. So, Lord, we thank you that today our sins can be forgiven because you paid the price on the cross. That, Lord, we can repent today whether we've been listening to godly wisdom or demonic wisdom. We can repent, Lord God, and you will set us free and forgive us of our sins. So, Lord, we praise you for it, and we thank you for what this represents, Lord. Your blood covenant in Jesus' mighty name. Come on now, church. Just receive from the Lord everything you have need of today. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone stand up if you would. Now, one thing you probably got out of this message is check your food at lunch. But, praise God. Listen to me. Every time this week when you start to feel, you start to smell, watch the dead flies. Amen? I want to pray over you. Believe God. So, Father, I just declare right now over everyone here that, Lord, we don't want to. We don't want to listen to demonic wisdom. We want to flow in the Holy Ghost. We want to walk with you. So, Lord, I thank you that we apply these steps to our life. These four simple steps. 
Lord, we choose to walk in love. We choose to be positive, Lord God. Lord, we, we, we look at our, our motive for everything, Lord, and we, and we look for the big picture. And Lord, I thank you, you bless these people, that through these times, these perilous times, that we are not going to get dead flies in our ointment, but we are going to be the sweet smell of Jesus to everyone in this world. And Lord, I ask you to bless them, to minister to them, and let this be a great day, Lord God, in their lives, and a great day in America, Lord. And we give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.